Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. What's happening, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the Mac and Reed Show right here on the Barroom Network. Remember, if you've missed any of our previous shows, they are on YouTube. We are streaming live on YouTube right now. But you can also catch the recordings on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your media. Remember to like, subscribe, tell a friend or two. I am at the the Real Evan Mac on Twitter, rather, and Ross is at Ross Reed. If you'd like to follow our ramblings, and we're reunited, and it feels so good here in 2023. How's it going, Ross? We're back. Welcome uh, to a brand new year, everybody. I like this beautiful little uh, screen that we have above us here with the uh, the, the, I dig the it. nice red with the gray background. I like it. New year, new us. Absolutely. New logo. Same yeah. us. New logo, yeah. same us. We got a lot to talk about, though. So much to talk about. We are talking a lot about the Bears, of course. Bears news galore as there's a new president in town. Bears with the number one pick in the draft. We'll go over this mediocre, terrible, below mediocre, say shitty season. And uh, some positives that we take away from that. We will preview the NFL playoffs at length as well. And what to look for in the rest of the offseason as well with some other teams. Talk about college football, a lot to get to, surprises along the way. Uh, the breaking news, though, if, you may, if you've uh, followed Aldo on Twitter, though, is Aldo got a pimple, everyone, so pray for him <laughs> and uh, get him some damn proactive or Clearasil, whatever, whatever the kids use these days. Um, more on that at 9. But to begin, we're really talking Bears heavy podcast and show today, and we'll start with the, the most recent news that was rumored on the last show we did, I believe, and talking about Kevin Warren being named president and CEO, um, as we talked about replacements for when, when Ted Phillips would step down after 40 years with the Bears. And uh, it, it's a great move. We were pretty amped about the rumor when we talked about it at length on that show, Ross, and now it's all come to fruition. And uh, George McCaskey really psyched uh, as uh, he said, quote, Kevin is a man of integrity, respect, and excellence, all of which are critical core values of the Chicago Bears. We welcome his perspective and diverse thought to lead the story organization. He is a proven leader who has many times stepped outside his comfort zone to challenge status quo for unconventional growth and prosperity. This is quite the quote. In this role, Warren will serve in the primary leadership position of the franchise to help bring the next Super Bowl championship trophy home to Bears fans. That's really all you need to say, George. But it's a a, a home run for sure. We are uh, very pumped here on the Mac and Reed show about the move. And, and as we talked about uh, Warren's candidacy and how he jumped from the Big Ten as commissioner and he had uh, some, some good times as far as uh, being in the NFL and, and being around the league uh, as far as the Minnesota Vikings. And it's just uh, a huge move and a, a really big step in the off season when it, it hasn't even feel does, doesn't really feel like it's even begun. You know, we just ended the, the NFL regular season this past weekend and the bears make a big move like this. So, I, I mean, I don't think either of us were surprised that, Oh, November 17th too. Look at that. He's, he's a, several days past my birthday, fellow Scorpio. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we like the hire. Well, Ross, what do you think? What else can you add? Yeah, I mean, listen, he brings a lot of, um, you know, professionalism to the franchise that, you know, before, you know, Kevin was here was, you know, basically a mom and pop organization. It, it was ran like a mom and pop, you know, business. Um, you know, obviously the Bears are family oriented. You know, it feels like Kevin, I believe, is, um, you know, one of, you know, you know, two guys to really be brought in. Uh, from outside of the organization in these really premier roles. A lot of times they, they try and keep it in-house. 
um, especially at the president level. You know, obviously it was, uh, you know, McCaskey and it went from McCaskey to Ted Phillips. Ted Phillips has been part of the team for well over 30 plus years. So, you know, Kevin brings a wealth of knowledge and, and, and his connections um, within, um, you know, the, the NFL ranks because he was with the Vikings for a long time within the college football ranks as, as a big 10 commissioner, he knows Justin Fields very well. They've had some history to, together, um, you know, and he, I would assume would be, um, you know, Ryan Poles is, is, um, you know, boss, so to speak, as, as, as polls would now, you know, to respond to him and ownership can just step up aside and, and just be ownership, just kind of fade into the background. Obviously the, the, the elephant in the room is, um, what can he bring to the table for the Bears' new home? And that's going to be his biggest job within the next couple of years. And that's going to be a lot to tackle, to digest. So here's kind of the nitty-gritty about that, right? The Bears have a purchase agreement with uh, Arlington Heights. It doesn't mean that they have purchased the property yet. I think a lot of people are confused by, by that. That means that they are still looking into if they can and will purchase the property and, and it's about a 200 million dollar deal right now that they have on the table if they decide to go with it they could buy the property for 200 million dollars and then they can use it how they see fit the challenge for him will be um paying for a brand new stadium so you know if you're on the low end of these stadiums right now you look at what they did with with what he did in minnesota costs about a little bit over a billion dollars same thing with las vegas but if you look on the high end SoFi ran you about $5 billion, right? And so where are the Bears going to shake out in that? I think they're probably going to shake out on the lower end, probably about a billion dollars-ish. Um, and then they want to develop the surrounding areas around it, which is probably going to run you another billion dollars. will take longer to develop, right? right? The hard part is, is you need to pay for these things. And where is this money going to come from? When he was in Minnesota, he got $500 million in private money and he got $500 million in public money from the state of, of, uh, of Minnesota and Minneapolis also kicked in as well. And I think that's where the dilemma comes in right now for him is um, Illinois has really been steadfast these last few months of saying, we're not paying for this property. We're not using public dollars to fund your stadium. You're going to have to go elsewhere. And the Bears are not, um, you know, they're not Jerry Jones. Um, they're, they're not the owners for the Rams who privately funded their entire stadium. They don't have that kind of capital. And so it's going to be really interesting for him to see where he gets his money at. Or does he go back to the city of Chicago, who has now said this week, we will give you the full $2 billion to renovate Soldier Field, put a dome on it, build the entire area, but you will not own that stadium. That will not be your stadium. That will be our stadium still. You will continue to be... Um, tenants in our property. And I think that's the biggest decision and the biggest hurdles that he has to come. I think a lot of people think that Arlington is a foregone conclusion. When you are dealing with tax money or you, when, you do, when you're dealing with politicians, nothing is a foregone conclusion. Right now, to put this in football terms, the Bears are still in their own area, probably about the 25, 30-yard line. There are still a lot of things that they have to uh, develop to be able to uh, to be able to get this done. Yes, I completely agree. The Bears um, are one of the five most valued franchises in the league, but that only means something if you actually sell the football team. Otherwise, that's not cash that becomes liquidated to you. I think a lot of people get confused about that too, is you can have a value at something, but that just means if you're selling the team tomorrow, and if the McCaskies will sell the team tomorrow, Godspeed. They could probably get $5 billion on the sale and they can ride off in the sunset. I just don't think they're going to sell the team. And if they're not going to sell a team, they're going to have to come up with some uh, some financial capital in other different places. And um, whether or not they're able to get state funds from it is going to be a very, very interesting topic within the next 12 to you know 18 months. Sure. This is all. Yeah. Again, Ross, on the heels of uh, the who, who was it? Who who narrated the video for Landmark? Who who was it? The uh, the newscaster I'm thinking of. And anyway, Raldo will chat it, I'm sure. But the Landmark uh, photo just talking about the proposed two billion dollar renovation to. So Bill Curtis, thank you Curtis. to uh, Soldier Field legend Bill Curtis. It gave me chills, but I love Bill Curtis. But it, that's a tough situation for Kevin Warren and, and the McCaskies to kind of juggle this now and it's it does feel like it didn't do a lot for the bears brass saying you know you could add nine thousand seats you could increase the square footage by this much it's just and there's the renovation as if you're watching with us on youtube here um which is just nuts to see after 
you know, thinking about years ago when the Bears balked at this whole, um, you know, half a billion dollar renovation that would have reduced seating, but they still would have had the dome. So I, I think all I feel like a lot of Bears fans are certainly behind and certainly the Bears ownership are certainly behind this idea of outright owning Arlington Heights, uh, old race course there, and then developing the land around it to make it similar to what SoFi is and being in its own little extension of Arlington Heights and sort of in the in the sort of vein of Wrigleyville where there's just uh, all these restaurants and shopping and everything. Even if you're not a football fan, there's something for everybody. And I'm sure a sports book, things like that. So I'm curious to see in which direction Kevin Warren goes. Um, And this is still far off. You know, we're certainly uh, several years behind anything happening from, uh, you know, the Arlington Heights standpoint, but you got to think this off season will, will definitively be pushing, in one direction or the other here. Did that do anything for you? The landmark video Ross. And do you think it sways uh, the bears brass at all? It's you listen, it's very interesting. Here's where it could sway the bears brass is they don't have to pay a dime. And when it's not your own money being funded to, to put this beautiful rendition together, I think you have to think long and hard about it. Right. Because listen, listen, you, you know, Chicago social field for its flaws is still within a one to two mile radius of probably hundreds of hotels and restaurants and public transportation. And people want, when people want to go to a Bears game, they want to spend that weekend in Chicago, right? They want to be, they want to go out to, you know, to, to Gibson's and into all the beautiful steakhouses and walk the Mag Mile and stuff like that. Right. Um, but I think the most importantly, the financial aspect for the Bears, um, you know, from the phone, from me, um, Listen, I live about four blocks away from Soldier Field. You're pretty close, yeah. Yes. And so in my mind, um, while I think it would be really beautiful, I just I feel like the property tax bill that I would be dropped off <laughs> is going to really, really, really hurt. Is yeah. when you want to put together a $2 billion renovation, people like me get the bill. And that scares the crap out of me going forward. And that's the dilemma, though, with any of this. You know, especially out in Arlington Heights, if you foot those people the bill, you know, they're, they're, they're going to be in a really tough situation. And those are the kind of conversations and things that, you know, Kevin Warren is going to have to he's going to have to sell these things to politicians or he's going to have to go back to them caskets and say, I can't get the public funding. If Chicago is willing to pay for all of this, then this is probably the best solution that we have. Unless you want to sell this franchise to somebody that could pay for it all. Because Jeff Bezos can walk in tomorrow, buy the Chicago Bears and say, you know what? I'm building Arlington Heights, everything you want, and then some. I got that money in my sofa cushions right now. The McCassies don't have that. And so that's where we're going to see how this all shakes out over the next. uh, It's going to take months. And and that's why people get excited about these things. But it's like, you know, hypothetically. We might be such a long way away is that we don't know if even, you know, as we transition to on-field stuff, we don't know if Justin Fields will even be the quarterback by the time all of this is done. You know, you think a build-out takes five years or so. Like, you don't know that, right? Because they don't even have – the purchase agreement is not done. The the funding is not there. So they're not even close to breaking ground. So we're a long ways away from this. Yeah, it's worth saying Arlington Heights residents aren't aren't that gung ho about it too. To your mm-hmm. point about you living in the South Loop, Ross, there's there's pros and cons alike, right? It'll create jobs and and but it's all about the money and where it's coming from, right? And then how it's going to affect the area. So we're but we're a long ways off from that, and we barely scratched the surface of the Bears off season. Um, talking about the on, on the field stuff and. I know in the comments when I talked about this being a shitty season, it was. Look at the record and look at the performances. You lost a lot of close games where you had it and lost, and it looked like the defense was just as bad as last year. There were very little positives. The one positive certainly is Justin Fields and his progression, and we saw it even in dismal efforts by the team overall. We saw incredible you know, breaking 50, 60-yard runs from Justin Fields and making all these guys on offense better around him. We saw a little flash of what Cole Komet could be as the number one tight end, as one of those best tight ends in the league, hopefully uh, coming up in these next few years and, and hopefully being Justin Fields security blanket. But you see, you know, as we talk about bears draft position now in the off season, this defense has a lot of work to do. And, you know, as far as the secondary, maybe not as much, maybe you just draft some, depth behind it but the front seven 
Um, now that you've lost Roquan uh, Smith, uh, your franchise linebacker, uh, after you traded him, and now you got to build through the draft, you got to build through all this cap space. It looks like this is the most optimistic we have certainly been uh, in a while. It leads me to, to, first of all, Ross, that number one pick in the draft and the Bears, and and thank thank you, Lovey, uh, from the bottom of my heart for going for the win there. It got you fired, but uh, <laughs> but it's still very good I mean, for fired regardless. Bears fans, <laughs> which is just unbelievable. It's right. such a, a shitty position to be in, um, and I think a lot of teams would be very lucky to have Lovey Smith uh, as the as the uh, coach of their team. But uh, the Houston's just have a, a ton of issues, and and that franchise is in much worse shape than the Chicago Bears, I, I think, at this point. But the number one pick now with the Bears. Uh, securing that with their loss and with the Texans win. Now it's certainly, you know, what do you want to do with this pick and and feel free to barflies chime in on the chat with us. If you are watching on YouTube um, and engage with us on social media, but what do you want to do with this number one pick? What kind of haul would you get in a trade? It certainly looks unlikely that the bears would draft a quarterback at number one overall with Justin Fields, um, you know, with, without trading that number one pick, without trading, say, if it was Bryce Young taken overall, um, with how great Justin Fields is progressing. Of course, Jalen Carter and Will Anderson we've talked about, and and they've been thrown around as potential home run picks for the Bears. But do you take them at number one? That's uh, You probably just want to field the offers, certainly, um, if you are uh, Ryan Poles in this situation. It sounds like other teams are, are going to be very gung-ho for these top-tier uh, quarterbacks in C.J. Stroud and, and Bryce Young, uh, who had uh, you know pretty good college football playoffs or bowl games, and you see the potential there. And we'll see as, as the offseason develops and their their pro days and all that alike. If if it drops at all, any potential there. But Ross, I'll put you in the GM position. Uh, the Bears are certainly in a great position, and and uh, it would it would take a lot of bad luck to screw it up. But but if you're holding that number one pick right now, I know you're certainly on these, the side of them fielding calls, but do you have any other sort of philosophy of what to do with the number one pick? Yeah, I mean, you know, in terms of philosophy-wise, you have to create a bidding war between a couple different franchises, and you have to pose a threat that somebody is going to be able to jump up over the Houston Texans to get Bryce Young. And, I, and then you have to kind of... Uh, be a double agent, so to speak, and you've got to go back to the Texans and say, what is it worth to you to secure your franchise quarterback if you think Bryce Young is is number one pick? And to me, this sounds like a really a, a big cold war between two franchises, in my opinion. I think this is a cold war between the Colts and the Texans, and which one of those two teams are going to be in a stare down to, to jump um, each other to take Bryce Young? If I was a betting man right now, I would say that the Colts are the team that will trade up with the Chicago Bears from four and get that first overall pick. And it makes a lot of sense for them. Chris Ballard is the general manager there. He has had retread after retread after retread from quarterback from Matt Ryan to Carson Wentz. It's just been a disaster of a situation at the quarterback position there. They need to lock down that spot really bad need to find their franchise quarterback or else he's going to be out of a job next year. And, uh, and German Mercy is really going to be on the hot seat. Remember they, they ruined Andrew Luck who went off into the sunset because he got tired of getting his ass kicked. Right. And, and it's just been a disaster ever since. Right. But if the Texans are not stupid, if they know that and they know that the Colts are, are willing to jump them, then they might put a little bit of extra sweetener in there to get their guy. And that makes sense for them because what else do the Texans have going for them right now as a franchise? They traded away just on Deshaun Watson, as they should have, right? You know, he didn't want to be anymore there anymore and he had scandals and all these other issues. But they have so much draft capital now from that Deshaun Watson trade that they can afford to throw in some extra picks I mean, hell, they could trade up from number two to one, still keep the 12th overall pick that they have right now, kick in a couple extra, you know, second rounders or whatever, and and that would be uh, okay for them. So that's where this whole dilemma comes in. And then, as history has always shown us, there's always a mystery team, right? The 49ers jumped all the way up from where they were at to go get, you know, Trey uh, uh, Trey Lance at, at third overall. And the Chiefs jumped all the way up from the teens where they were at to go get Patrick Mahomes, right? So you need to start looking at who are the mystery teams that could be involved here. For me, in my opinion, 
I look at the Raiders at seventh overall. They're going to get rid of Derek Carr like we saw today, right? Well, they need a quarterback. And Josh McDaniels is going to need a quarterback. He didn't go to that situation to get Derek, get rid of Derek Carr to have another retread on their minds. What do the Titans do, right? Ryan Tannehill is getting a little older. And Malik Willis clearly is not the answer for them. Could they jump up in somehow, some way from, from number 11 and, uh, and do something? Carolina Panthers are sitting there at number nine. They need a quarterback. That's a team that should have taken Justin Fields way back when they had the opportunity to take Justin Fields. Instead, they take a cornerback, J.C. Horn. So the Bears have to drum up some, 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 uh, you know, some, 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 some rumors between everybody and get people talking against each other. Um, at the end of the day, it all ends into, in my opinion, obviously the Bears are not going to uh, be drafting first overall. They're not taking a quarterback. They're not taking Bryce Young first overall. We can put all that now that noise to bed. We saw it all this week. I like Bryce Young a lot. I don't think he's a better prospect than Justin Fields. And so because he's not, you're not going to take him first overall. If Caleb Williams was coming out this year from USC, I think this is a much, much deeper conversation because I think Caleb Williams is a generational quarterback talent that is probably going to be as can't miss as, as if you've seen since a guy like Pat Mahomes, Heisman Trophy winner, but he's going to be next year's draft. So mm. for now, I think the Bears trade down to probably anywhere between number two or number four, and I think they'll have their eyes set on um, you know outside linebacker, pass rusher Will Anderson, Jalen Carter, defensive tackle, the young man from Texas Tech is going to be on the board. I think if they drop down even more than that around – uh, where the 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 uh, Panthers are drafting out, or where the Raiders are, either seven or nine. Then you start talking about Quentin Johnson, the outstanding wide receiver from TCU. But the Bears are 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 one hundred percent not going to be drafting first overall come draft time. And um, I'll, I'll leave with this point: the draft isn't until May, right? April. I think it's like late April. Um, I think this trade gets done fairly quickly. I, and by fairly quickly, I think this trade gets done late February, early March. Um, it, I think the Bears will have their their plenty their their suitors by then. We're we're past the combine, we're past pro days, and I think this package will be done by then. We can put this noise to rust finally. Yeah, well, the, it'll in theory, right? It, verbally, it'll be done. There will be phone calls made. There are phone calls probably in place right now. We yeah. we talked about the rumors of of the Colts and how um, they're going to swing big at quarterback, whether it be Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud or someone outside of that. Caleb Williams, he would definitely throw a wrench into this quarterback class. This would be highly heralded coming off that Heisman season, too, but still a lot to prove for him. But, uh, you know, the, the outsiders would be certainly the Texans. I mean, they, they have to address quarterback, right? they got to figure that out. And then the Raiders now that uh, Derek Carr is gone. So those three teams are ones to keep an eye on. But that's certainly the consensus is the Bears – would not take that number one pick. You just go and see what kind of haul you're going to get for it. And then you're looking at another first round pick next year. You're going to look at that second overall pick most likely or third. And then that, that begins to, uh, you know, lead to the conversation about where to start rebuilding. And certainly that's within a pass rush and certainly looking at again, Jalen Carter and Will Anderson. If you're looking at those being those guys or somebody somebody else jumps out in the combine because those guys were were rather quiet i, I know you know jalen carter coming off uh, fresh a national championship with georgia um will anderson and his game against k-state it just wasn't really there for me but you know you're looking at the season as a whole for these guys and and they're looking again at the next step at the professional level it's uh it's huge for them to be healthy going into that so uh, I, you know, if I'm Ryan Poles, I, I just sit back and, and listen to those calls at this point and mm -hmm. see what kind of haul you get. And it will be an impressive haul for number one overall. There's no question there. What's surprising to me, too, is I, I can't believe the Justin Fields slander, too. Speaking of number ones, that, that there's so much slander still out there for this guy from the talking heads and, and media and former coaches and, and whoever, former GMs. Um, you know, when you're saying reevaluate the quarterback situation and you're saying trade him and then have even more picks and, and get Bryce Young, like, did you not see the same tape that we saw this last year? He's the guy. You got to build around him. And I don't think there's any doubt. In it. I mean, there's doubt clue in some people's minds, but with the majority of people, I don't know where this is coming from besides just trying to have a hot take at this time of year. It is. And, you know, there's a lot of people who, you know, it's, Listen, when when you are the worst team in the re, in the league record wise, 
Um, I promise you not a lot of people are watching all quarters, all four quarters of your football game for right. 17 games like we are as fans. And so a lot of people are either um, are, are, are box score watching or advanced analytics stats watching um, or, or are, you know, just kind of like checking the, the highlights and stuff like that. Right. So here's a couple of things with Justin Fields with that is, um, you know, Justin Fields still had the most explosive plays from the quarterback position out of any other quarterback in the league, not named Pat Mahomes this year. Um, a lot of that was on the strength of his legs, but he also had some, some passing plays as well. Um, Justin Fields was the um, highest percentage sack quarterback this year. It was over 50 sacks this season. Um, but if you look at the advanced stats, you realize that only uh, 12 of those sacks were his fault. Um, but those sacks will bring down his advanced analytics numbers. All those sacks go down to his numbers. There's a lot of numbers that are thrown into play with people. Um, you don't have to be uh, you don't have to be an expert to see that Justin Fields had an, uh, an unbelievably terrible uh, you know slate of weapons around him this year, especially as guys got hurt. Darnell Mooney was out for the year and stuff like that. The offensive line was a mess. The receivers were a mess. Um, all these things kind of factor into that. Here's what bothers me about all this conversation this week and what I don't like is now you see people have to pit two young men against each other that, that, that really don't even know each other or aren't even really related to each other. Because what I've seen all week is people shitting on Justin Fields to boost up um, um, Bryce Young or people shitting on Bryce Young to boost up Justin Fields. And that's not fair to either one of these two young men. I, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. It's the Jalen Carter thing. I've seen people shit on Jalen Carter this week after watching six quarters of, of football. I haven't watched him all year. This guy's top five prospect for a reason. You can't flip a game on it in a 56 to seven game, whatever the hell that was on Monday night, that garbage and, and, and try and, you know, scout him for the first time sitting from your sofa, drinking a Coors Light. That's not how this works. But listen, Bryce Young is a good quarterback, and he is a uh, a guy that needs to be up there. I don't think he would have succeeded in this situation either because I don't think anybody would have this year with this Bears wide receivers and this offensive line. But And that's all the more reason why you need to give Justin some time, give him some continuity, and put some more pieces around him uh, to be able to allow him to develop. If for some reason this doesn't work out for, for the Bears, you know, then we might be having the same conversation next year. And then, you know, we're going to, you know, have to move on from there. But, you know, I look at guys like Mike Tannenbaum go on radio show after radio show this week and, and ESPN and this That's and that. Right. And you start to see a lot, like these guys have agendas because when the hell did you hear? You only hear from Mike Tannenbaum when he says something outlandish and he gets his way onto different TV shows and radio shows. This is the same guy that was an abject disaster as a general manager and, and, and brought in some of the worst quarterbacks to start games in the history of the NFL. I don't give a good goddamn what Mike Tannenbaum thinks uh, about Justin Fields or the quarterback uh, situation in, in this league right now, along with a lot of other people who are, are, are really just talking out of their head right now. All that matters is Ryan Poles believes in him. And I think he does. Um, Kevin Warren believes in him, and I think he does. And Matt Everflus, Gutsy, they believe in him. And you go out there this year and you find this young man, the best five offensive linemen you can, and get him some more goddamn weapons, please. And I think this Bears team will be just fine. And fix that damn defense. Allow him, right? Listen, there were games that he, he said it in this, he said it in his offseason presser, right? In his final presser of the year. Listen, there were games he was like, listen, we were scoring 30 points a game and we still lost. That's not on him, right? That's that's yeah. on that Swiss cheese of a defensive line that you put out there. So fix that defensive line. Get some linebackers. Fix the talent around this roster. And I promise you, you know, the same way they were talking about Jalen Hurts and Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen, you're going to be talking about Justin Fields in flipping the script a year or two from now. Inspiring. Justin Fields, uh, you know, should be throwing his defense under the bus if they're as bad as they were this year in year three. I'll say that much, certainly. And and Ryan Poles thinks it's a very, very long shot that the Bears take a quarterback with number one overall. He would say, quote, absolutely blown away to take a quarterback with the number one overall pick. He said, yeah, uh, talking about Justin Fields, we had good conversations I'm excited for the direction he's going in. As I mentioned before, he knows where he has to improve. I think he mentioned that the other day we're excited about his development, where he goes next. He showed ability to be impactful with his legs. There's flashes with his arm. Now, if we can put that together, I think we have something really good. Couldn't have said it better. When you look at the 
position that the Bears are in, sky's the limit, man. You, you look at the cap space that they have to play with. You look at the hall if they're able to draft effectively. And, you know, Ryan Poles filled some needs last year, and, and we'll see with um, even more picks this year how he's able to build uh, not only the, the, the weapons around Justin Fields and, and add weapons around him and add some protection, but adding some depth in the defense too, and finally getting a pass rush back because it feels like it's been too long with this Bears defense since they've had one to create some relief for the offense. And this is the most exciting offense on paper that um, we have seen the, there have been potential for in years for this Bears franchise too. And it, it certainly leads back to, uh, you know, again, my conversation about Justin Fields being the guy to build around, being one of the lone bright spots um, in this last season when you're going and winning a, a franchise worst 10 straight games, uh, tanking like it was hot. It was, it was an impressive tankathon for sure. But uh, I'm super optimistic. I think they would have to screw it up pretty bad as far as just have a bad string of luck. Um, but I got faith, especially with this, uh, this new um, president and certainly with the, the way that Ryan Poles has conducted himself. And I'm sure Matt Aberflus will have some, some sort of say in it. And, and that sort of leads me to my, my last point when, as far as the Bears go, Ross. And, and what did you think of Matt Aberflus and, and how he is uh, set to be the head coach going forward, too? He's really one of the only pieces we haven't talked about is coaching. Yeah, listen, you know, Ryan Pulse talked about it during his um his his uh, end of the season press conference. The Bears led the league in uh in snaps by rookies by over a, by a thousand over the next team this year, right? And still they found the way to be uh the third least penalized team in the NFL. And I think that is a testament to Matt Eberflus and the hits the hits principle that he brought in. And I just think he brought in, he reminds me a lot, and this is not negative at all because this, this, this guy was a good uh, you know, coach for a while, but it reminds me a lot of, of John Fox and in, in bringing stability to a situation and, and bringing an adult in the room to stabilize people and get in, and bring some professionalism in there and, 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 and allow these young men to grow into you know, grown men you know, quicker than, than normal. And I think that's going to really pay dividends when they get more talent in there, because listen, you know, you, we've seen this from before, especially in the Matt Nagy era, those three to four penalties a game could be the difference between you winning a playoff game or not winning a playoff game. So you need to set those kind of foundations early on as Ryan Poles brought that blue Lego piece out there the other day saying that they were building the foundation those things are really important because it's going those those little intricacies going forward are going to be important. Um, I've always felt like the head coach in the NFL was at his best when he was a CEO of the football team. I don't necessarily need a a rock star play caller, so to speak, to go out there and run some hot shot offense or some hot shot defense or something like that. I need a guy that's going to be able to command 53 personalities in the room, that's going to be able to hold his players and his coaching staff accountable, that's going to be able to, uh, you know, have people be be, uh, professional on and off the field, no scandals, no issues, least penalized teams, teams that can execute things like that. Um, it's why I really love, uh, you know, John, John Harbaugh from, from the Raider, from the Ravens. It's why we all love Mike Tomlin from the Steelers. You know, these guys are, are in that same mold. So I, I think the future is bright for Everflus. Let's get him some more talent, um, especially on, on uh, in the trenches, because I think that's probably where he really, really sees uh, his football team lacking. And uh, I think this Bears team is going to be able to compete at least for one of those last playoff spots next year, right? There's, if they spend their money wisely, and they have a ton of it, uh, as we know, they got over $100 million, $131, uh, 115, excuse me, $115 million in, in cap space. And they have, uh, I believe, nine picks in this draft, and that's without them trading down right now. If they spend their money wisely and they they draft well, there's no reason why they can't be like the Jacksonville Jaguars this weekend and playing in a playoff game. You brought up a good point to uh, put a pin on that, Ross, is that the Bears could certainly, after trading that number one pick, could have double-digit picks in this yep. draft alone, which would be impressive. And then you could just have uh, – you could go nuts uh, position to position for sure. And I agree with you on Eberflus, who's a defensive-minded head coach and had some success in Indy before – Chicago that if you give them some dogs and, and give them some of, sort of a semblance of a pass rush and then that'll open up Justin Fields and who's to say 
in this league that you couldn't turn it around potentially like uh, the Eagles where you make a, a huge jump from this year to last year and look at how the, the Rams were, you know, they're one year removed from a Super Bowl and already, you know, there's rumors about Sean McVay and all this, but mm-hmm. um, I'm certainly optimistic. I'm excited to see this off season as it progresses, but back to the in season stuff, Ross, we got mm-hmm. NFL playoffs to talk about. Yes. And I am uh, very excited. Huzzah. I, I never thought I'd say this. Don Burr should his ears should perk up. But shout out to the Lions beating Green Bay and ending Green Bay's season oh so perfectly too. What a run for Dan Campbell and that team to end the season and and get to be second in the NFC North and and now we'll see the the Vikings number one overall the lone representation of the NFC North. We'll see how far they go and and that leads me to previewing the matchups we got on Saturday the Seahawks and the Niners in the three thirty spot. Chargers Jaguars Justin Herbert and and uh, Trevor Lawrence, that'll be a good one. The Dolphins and the Bills. I mean, Bills playing with a huge chip on their shoulder right now, um, playing with purpose for sure. Giants sneaking in, playing the Vikings, the Ravens and Bengals. We know Lamar Jackson said he is out today. And then the Cowboys and Buccaneers. Mm-hmm. And uh, that'll be interesting. Talking a lot about Dak Prescott's legacy and or lack of thereof with, <laughs> with a lot of the talking heads today as well. Um, you know, as far as, the Saturday slate, the Niners-Seahawks game is really interesting because that's a divisional game, and we've seen the Seahawks, you know, a year removed from having Russell Wilson as their franchise quarterback and, and going over to Denver. Chino Smith, a journeyman, has played his ass off for that team this year, over 4,000 yards and 30 touchdowns, really uh, a big reason of why they were successful and, and just a, a game over 500, but anything's possible, certainly. But we know the 49ers with uh, Brock Purdy and, and and this offense is really clicking right now. Um, they're heavily favored. They're eight and one at home. That says a lot, certainly. So they could be a lock there. Chargers, Jaguars. We've seen the Jaguars playing a lot better football in the second half of the season. And Trevor Lawrence is a big part of that, too. It's uh, a duel of quarterbacks for sure. This might be a high scoring one. And Justin Herbert really, really playing well this year. And then moving to the Sunday slate, the Bills, I mean, you got to just give it to them. It's just a matter of how much. They're favored by 13 and a half. I think they cover that easily um, with the way that the Dolphins are kind of limping in, especially with Tua and his future, uh, as good as the weapons are around. Um, that offense right now giants vikings vikings you know they may be fake but i think they get past the the giants easily here the bengals on a mission with joe burrow and and company uh, especially with lamar jackson out it's uh it's going to be tough for the ravens um again bengals have that home advantage too they're six and one at home <coughs> and then it just it seems like this is kind of one of those end games for tom brady where he's one and done uh, i i like the cowboys right now i like everything that has been happening with the NFC East, which we haven't seen uh, to recent memory. But you, you see Dak is on a mission here. Um, Tony Pollard and, Z- and Ezekiel Elliott are a great one-two punch. Uh, mm-hmm. if they're both healthy. CeeDee Lamb playing his ass off, a top-five receiver in the league right now. So it's going to take a lot. I know the Bucks are at home, um, but that could be a very close game as well. What are your thoughts on all these wild-card weekend matchups? My, my first thought is um, I'm going to go old man here. And say, um, you would. Yep, I hate the seven seeds. I hate. I, I there it is. I said it. I listen. That's not too old, man. Yeah. I know. I know. We like extra football. I know. We always say more football is 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 better. Not in this case. Last year, those seven seeds, they both got blown out last year in the wild card weekend. And you can't tell me that you can get excited about the Seahawks going into San Francisco this year as double digit favorites or looking at Skylar freaking Thompson going in Buffalo and, you know, DeMar Hamlin and that entire situation. You know, you know, he's going to be there. You know, he's going to be in that stadium in a box firing up that crowd. Skylar Thompson this weekend, the, 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 the Dolphins have been playing absolute dog shit for the last five to six weeks. The Seahawks have been bad too. I sooner would have rather just given those two football team bye weeks and we can just kind of condense this schedule a little bit and have better football this weekend. But I digress. I just don't like the seven seed. I don't think the extra week in the season is, is beneficial to people. Um, and I also don't like that extra team. I just think we're getting diluted playoff football. But with that said, um, 
you know, I, I love, I love the 49ers. I, I love the 49ers. I think they're going to the Super Bowl. I, I think that, you know, Ooh. even with Brock Purdy at, at quarterback, this team doesn't skip a beat. I think they're the most talented roster in the NFC from top to bottom. I think their defense is absolutely outstanding. Um, Christian McCaffrey was a game changer of a trade for them, especially with Brock Purdy because he throws a screen ball better than anybody. And he, he throws the ball well from out the backfield. They're getting Debo Samuel back. Brandon Ayuk has been an outstanding receiver all year long. And George Kittle kind of looks like George Kittle again. And so I just think the 49ers are just a more talented team. I'm, I'm going to pick them in a few weeks to go into Philadelphia and beat that Philadelphia team. I, I don't think Jalen Hurts is, is completely shaking, shaking off the rust from when he got hurt in Soldier wow. Field against the Bears. So I think they steamroll the Seahawks this weekend. Jacksonville um, and, and Chargers is an interesting matchup because um, – I don't think Mike Williams is playing this weekend, and that is a different offense when he is not on the football field and you have to go cross-country on the road and play a, a feisty Jaguars team. And Josh Allen, the other Josh Allen, the the offensive, uh, the outside linebacker, uh, was awesome in that last, that last game Saturday in securing that win for them. I think Trevor Lawrence will play better than he did last weekend. And um, I'm, I'm going to throw another hot, uh, hot take at you here. Um, Everybody's talking about Sean Payton right now, right? If the Chargers lose this football game and it doesn't look good, I think that Brandon Staley could get fired and Sean Payton takes that job. Just, just putting it out there right now. If, if, if for some reason the Chargers fail and it doesn't look good, I think that with when you have a guy like Justin Herbert and you're about to give him $275 million and you're in a division with Pat Mahomes – and 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 some other things are going to start shaking up in that division. Just just don't be surprised if the reason why Sean Payton is is not pouncing on the Broncos right now or the or the Cardinals right now is because he's waiting to see what happens this weekend with not only the Chargers but with the Cowboys as well. Because if one of those two teams lose and it doesn't look good and they had higher expectations, Sean Payton swoops in because those are the two jobs that he would rather be coaching uh, over the Cardinals or Broncos. So just keep an eye on that. Um, Bills are going to win in the blowout. I like the Vikings this weekend. Um, um, hesitant to say that, but um, the the Vikings throw the ball downfield better than most teams in the league, and uh, the Giants uh, cover uh, against downfield passes the worst in the league. They actually are the most penalized team in the NFL in uh, in pass interference downfield, and so that just doesn't feel like a good matchup for me for the Giants on the road. Um, love the Bengals. I actually think the Bengals are also going to the Super Bowl this year. So my 49ers and Bengals are my Super Bowl bet. And, um, you know, last game, let's 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 see if Tom Brady's got one more in him, right? Like, Because I think that uh, the Cowboys are not a good football team. Outdoors, in grass, they, they struggle. Dak Prescott has looked like garbage the last couple of weeks. And so if he, he struggles in that spot, are you ever going to bet on Mike McCarthy? Um, I'd rather bet on Tom Brady over Mike McCarthy. So I'm not going to pick the Buccaneers to win that game right now. I, I, that feels like a toss-up to me, but it wouldn't shock me if they did win that football game Monday night. Interesting thoughts all around. I, yeah. You know, with the Chargers and the head coaching swap would be a huge shakeup with the success from, from that young coach and Staley. And so, mm-hmm. I, you know, as far as a Super Bowl pick, if we're just – Fast forwarding ahead as we've already sort of given our picks for wild card weekend. I like the Niners pick and but Brock Purdy, I feel like will only carry them so far, but we will see as Mr. Irrelevant is making a run for the ages here. I still like the Eagles. I think with that rest, it will be huge. Um, just the talent around Jalen Hurts and the team around him will be able to carry it. I know they're, they're off this weekend and sometimes that buy really does not do teams a, a good service. They want to roll in and, and keep playing well. Um, and the Eagles may have peaked too early, but I like the Eagles And as far as the Super matchup, and, and I'm with you with the Bengals. I'm all in on the Bengals repeating and going back to um, the Super Bowl and, and conquering the AFC. We haven't talked about the Chiefs because they get that bye, though, and, and certainly it is going to be um, theirs to lose, I feel like, to an extent as well with the way that Pat, Pat Mahomes will probably lock up another NFL MVP and, and they've locked up that one seed and they, and Andy Reid and company are ready to roll. And, and um, it's just such an impressive team. And, and I, I think there's if I was to pick a dark horse in all of this, yeah, you, you give Brady a chance in the NFC uh, and, and going through Tampa that if they, if they somehow are able to knock off the Cowboys who have been hot recently – 
then that's huge. And that could carry a lot of momentum uh, all the way to the NFC championship too. And as far as the AFC is concerned, I, I do like the chargers just the way that Justin Herbert has been able to carry them, but don't sleep on Trevor Lawrence and, and uh, Etienne and, and, and Christian Kirk and, and just, the way that this team is assembled, they're certainly uh, peaking at the right time. And that, that uh, says a lot about that franchise, the way they've turned it around and uh, come full circle when they were so bad, too, so so recently. Uh, but it should be very exciting. There's a lot of games. I, I, I'm, <laughs> I mean, I could do with or without the seven seed at this point. But uh, and, and, you know, the Monday night matchup, it should just be Saturday, Sunday football. And I'd be fine with that. <laughs> You can always tell if, if the NFL thinks the game is shitty by the time of day that they put it on. Um, this is a West Coast game that is a 3.30 start here in the Chicagoland area. So that means that is a uh, 2.30 start on the West Coast. That's usually like a – like a they usually start that game like later in the afternoon in the city that they play it in. But they want to just get that game out the way and just like – if you're running errands, picking the kids up from karate or whatever, we're going to sneak this Geno Smith game out there and just get this shit out the way. <laughs> we don't, And the same thing with Sunday. I mean, look at the first game. It's like, okay, we know that the Bills are going to blow out the Dolphins. This is going to get really ugly, and Skylar Thompson is going to be running for his life. So you know what? Here's that football game at 12 o'clock Central time, baby. He's just throwing it right at you. Get it in, get it out. We want to get to those other two teams, those other two games, and, and get them out the way. So, um, but I love playoff football. This is this is my favorite time of the year. Um, you know, a lot of exciting things happen. I think this weekend goes, you know, chalk, so to speak, um, except for maybe the Jaguars and and the, and the Buccaneers. And then obviously the next weekend is when is when the real real fun begins because we get those two teams coming off the bye, and things start to kind of condense a little bit and things and now we start getting good football teams versus good football teams and um you know what are your thoughts on the neutral site for the afc championship because i'm not i'm not a fan on that yeah that's pretty tough because obviously we were off when the whole demar hamlin situation happened which was unprecedented and and obviously it was i i you know and to touch on that briefly i i think that the nfl handled it to the best of their abilities and, and what a moment for the sport and how it was a great showing of sportsmanship and compassion all around from coaches, players, broadcasters, light. And there was implications throughout the league and, and uh, you know, wh whatever opinion you had felt wrong at that point, because you just wanted him to be okay as far as DeMar Hamlin. And, and he is, you know, conscious and he's rooting for the bills now, as we know, but as far as that, you know, I've heard Atlanta, right. For the, the for the neutral site for it that is. AFC championship game. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm not for it. I, I think, you know, whoever, whoever is that higher seed. And I know that the, the seeding was affected that way where, you know, Bengals feel like they got hosed uh, at an opportunity there and the bills to that end as well. But we just, that's kind of how it shakes out when you go sure. and say, well, we're not going to play this game at this point. I don't, you know, I don't know about Atlanta. I don't know where else you would play it at this point. And, you know, it just kind of has to be very much middle ground for the two teams and probably in a dome. Right. And you just kind of make it, make it that much more even whether you take the elements out of it, I guess that's it. But then, you know, you just, you got to leave it to the fan bases to travel. Right. And then for playoff football, they're going to travel wherever you go, especially if it's bills mafia or the chiefs, you know, some of the best fans in football. Um, and then the Bengals too, some of the, some of the best right now too, you figure those three AFC teams, uh, it, it will come down to, to something like that. If it's Atlanta, um, it could be very much a toss-up in that situation if it's the Bills or the Bengals or the Chiefs. So I, I'm curious to see uh, if it in, if it indeed does stay at Atlanta. Um, it, it's just, you know, I can't say if it was right or wrong. Yeah, I, I don't like it at all. I mean, listen, you know, when you decide that you don't want to play that football game anymore, it was the right decision, number one, by both football teams. But you're, you're doing that and you're – in my opinion, accepting all the consequences uh, and, and, and all the things that come with it. And a part of that was you are relinquishing a home field advantage. And I think that's okay. Listen, this game, if it comes down to Bill's Chiefs, in my opinion, it should still have been played in Arrowhead. The Chiefs are not unbeatable in Arrowhead. They've lost literally AFC Championship games the last couple of years in Arrowhead. Tom Brady has beaten them in Arrowhead. Remember that game and en route to them going to a Super Bowl. Joe Burrow beat them last year in Arrowhead. 
right? Josh Allen had them beat last year, and then that crazy 12 seconds happened and, and stuff like that. So you can't tell me that that team is just so beatable in, in Arrowhead that we've got to send this to a neutral game. Now you got to make fans uh, travel to Atlanta. I also don't like the fact that this is indoors. I, I think you have two outdoor teams with awesome, you know, home field advantages outdoors in Buffalo and Kansas City, and then you move this game into a game on carpet. It just looks like the national championship game all of a sudden. I, I love the, the championship game. Sometimes I love them more than the Super Bowl because they feel more of the moment and just like, you know, just more fired up uh, and That's more authentic. Great and I, think I think they're just, you're taking that away from us. Um, you know, in my opinion, even if Buffalo would have had to go to Kansas City to, to face the, the Chiefs, I think given what Buffalo has gone through the last couple of weeks, they should have been absolutely terrified of, of the Bills coming into Arrowhead and, and bringing all that momentum and that passion and that energy. So I think the NFL kind of dropped the ball on this and trying to get things too perfect. It's okay. Give the Chiefs their home field advantage. And, and if Buffalo has to go in there and beat them, I think the Buffalo will be like, all right, screw it. Let's, let's ride. We got this. We can still do that. Right on. We were talking about quarterbacks and, uh, you know, the biggest news so far of the offseason is Derek Carr calling it a, a career in a Raiders uniform. And where you got a landing spot in mind or, or a few teams? What do you think? I got I got Jets in mind. I got Washington Commanders in mind. And I'm going to throw you a wild card, but it shouldn't be a wild card. But if the Tua Tungvalova health situation continues to uh, look shaky and deteriorate, that team is going to need some insurance for him um, because they're all in on the on both sides of the ball. They traded for Bradley Chubb. They have Jalen Waddle. They've got Tyreek Hill. Um, I think that that could also be a sneaky Derek Carr spot if Tua uh, needs to miss more time because of those head injuries or just in general – if you know you've seen from this year, he can't play an entire season. I think that's a sneaky Derek Carr spot. So I would look at the Dolphins as a wild card, but definitely Jets and Commanders as the top two teams for uh, for Carr's uh, services. I like that. Yeah, I, I think he would uh, do well to play um, with either of those franchises at this point. But he wants, uh, you know, after a year playing with Devonte Adams again, I think that he would certainly like to go where he's set up with some weapons already. Miami is a good outlier as well. And uh, Cliff, I, I do think the NFL wants the Bills and the Super Bowl for the story. Don't get me started on the conspiracy theories there, but um, you know we'll see. I, hopefully, the best team in either either conference wins it would be a hell of a story for you know going back to the narratives for the 49ers and Brock Purdy uh, to lead this great offense and, and Nick Bosa the way he's been playing this defense to go and uh, take it all the way not only to NFC Championship but to a Super Bowl and then. The three big dogs, when you're looking at Josh Allen and Joe Burrow and, and Pat Mahomes, who comes out on top? Because the last couple AFC championships and and um, conference playoffs have been really, really interesting to watch at this point. And uh, I do also root for Tom Brady in the midst of all of this. He's like the one old guy left uh, who's who's still hanging on there in the um, in the midst of all these these young guns. And uh, we'll see if he can. Mount some sort of run, too. That would be a hell of a story as well. A lot of storylines to watch. So we're wrapping up the show. And as you alluded to, uh, Ross, boy, what a shitty college football championship is Georgia smoke TCU. Just just garbage. I hope that you bet Bradley's college tuition on the dogs, Ross, and and, and hopefully he's moved that. He can go that, to yeah. college. And, uh, I, uh, I moved that line. It was like minus eight uh, to start the game. I moved it to minus 14 and a half for some extra juice. Yeah. And uh, I should have moved it to like 28. <laughs> I should have yeah. moved it even more. It could have been three times at least. Yeah. Yeah. I should have moved that even more. To That was just, uh, that was bad. That that shows you the, the discrepancy between the top talent, especially in, in, in the SEC and some, uh, some of these other schools. And it kind of speaks to my point from adding in that extra wildcard team. Remember, this playoff field expands next year. So we get even more shittier teams in this crop. And then we're just going to get – I get it for money purposes. And we won't not get Alabama. So there That's you go. True. That's very true. As Nick Saban was sitting next to David Pollard, uh, looking very, very shady at Pollard when he said that Georgia was going to – has overtaken – uh, everybody as the number one team in Georgia. And he was right. They've, they're back-to-back -back national championships. They've lost one game in two years. They're the best team in college football. I don't know why Nick Saban was upset. You're upset. Yeah. Go freaking beat them, dumbass. Yep. Yeah, 100%.
Uh, it was, yeah, Georgia players. It was just, uh, it was completely overmatched. And we know that that game against uh, Ohio State with Georgia was really for ultimately, I feel like the the national championship and poor showing for the Big Ten overall as far as bowl and college football season. Um, but yeah, not a sure thing in a while as far as Georgia's concerned. Are you following the NBA at this point? And, you know, we're ahead of the All-Star game almost. And yeah. uh, I mean, Bulls news, it's just Bulls, you know, suffering a terrible loss to Washington last night where Zach Levine apparently did not know the score. And uh, it's just more typical bull stuff, right? And, uh, and more midseason NBA basketball where we, anything could happen in the second half, certainly. But we know that LeBron will will likely eclipse Kareem uh, at, at some point very soon. He's leading the all-star voting at this point. But uh, but as far as top dogs in the NBA are concerned, it's it's still very much up in the air. It's very much up in the air. I think the last time we were here, I told you to pay attention to, to Jokic more. He's he's having uh, another MVP season. He might win his third straight. He's got that team right now, number one in the Western Conference. So um, right now, they, 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 to me, look like the best team on paper in the West to be able to go to the NBA Finals. And the East is still a toss-up because, you know, Milwaukee, Giannis looks amazing still. He's still at the peak of his powers, but they have to get healthy. They don't have uh, Cliff uh, uh, Cliff. Uh, Chris Middleton out there right now. They just got Drew Holiday back. They got to get healthy. Um, Joel Embiid is dealing with a foot injury right now. You know, Kevin Durant is out. Celtics still look good. But just goes to show you, NBA has such a long season. We we are still at least a good two and a half, three months away of, of meaningful basketball and, and starting to really lock in who who are our, our number one contenders going forward. So, um, you know, it's it's good to kind of, you know, still watch some football here, get that out the way. And then, you know, usually right around Super Bowl time after Super Bowl is when we can start really focusing in on the NBA. And then we get some pitchers and catchers coming back to report, which would be fun as well as yeah. as it was. Uh, the sun went down today in Chicago almost at five o'clock. So we have we have on the other side of the hump. And we are we are quickly approaching. Are where, longer. Yeah, where that that gets pushed Let's out a little bit home. longer. Remember, March twelfth is daylight savings time, so we are exactly two months away from from hopefully a, a light at the end of the tunnel and in those seven p.m. sundowns and warmer weather. Hey, there you go, Ross. By the way, the the uh, the clip of, of Snoop from the Wire is making the rounds. You know, Again. going into the, the hardware store and the, like a Home Depot and getting yep. the nail gun is making yep. the rounds. It inspired me to rewatch the Wire because I've I nothing else. Go. Even though there's a ton of good television right now. And speaking of television, Golden Globes. Yeah. Did you watch any of that? And uh, if you watched many of the TV and 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 movies that were. Big winners and losers. I, I watch, yeah, I watch bits and pieces of the show. Um, I watched House of the Dragon. I watched Blackbird. That's one. I watched White Lotus. That one. Yeah. Um, those were all deserving. I watch um, Abbott Elementary now and then. It's kind of a fun show to pop in and out of. Yeah. Um, movies wise, I know the science fiction guys. Shout out to them. They are going to be uh, coming yeah. on at nine p.m. Central as they talk about the um, top sci-fi movies of twenty twenty-two this year. Um, I recently watched Everywhere, Everything, All at Once. That better be on their list. It's one of the five best movies of the year, um, as well as uh, – um, and that was a big winner. Michelle, Michelle Yeoh won uh, as well for that at the Golden Globes. Um, nope. Also better be on their list because that's an outstanding science fiction movie as well. So, yeah, I, bought, I, I watched some bits and pieces. And, you know, the Oscars are coming up soon. So if you guys haven't watched Everywhere, Everything, All at Once or Tar – or uh, Banshees or Anna Sheeran is, is, a, is a very great movie as well. Uh, some of these movies are, are going to be nominated for Best Picture, along with the Avatars. And um, I predict Top Gun Maverick will be up there as well. Uh, watch those movies. They're, they're all. This is the time of year to catch up on quality, prestige uh, TV and movies. Or just watch The Wire again. I, I've watched it five, I've watched it five times now from start to finish oh my in my lifetime. So, I listen, I'm always down for a Wire rewatch. It's one of those things I always say that about like Arrested Development where you go back and you you notice different things about it, too, that mm -hmm. are very interesting, whether it be dialogue or some little details that you forgot about because there's so much going on in different storylines. Uh, and as far as the, the TV and the movies that you were talking about, I got to check out the Banshees of Inishir and the menu, which I'm mm -hmm. sure, you know, probably gets snubbed at some point. Yep. Um, everything everywhere all at once. A lot of this is on your, your streaming services. People still go to HBO Max, go to wherever um, to enjoy such media 
and yeah, shout out to uh, the guys at Science Fiction. Oh, wasn't Spider Man last year too? Wasn't the No Way Home? It was the start of 2022. You're yeah, right. It seems like such a long, seems like such a long time ago. Yeah, like you're a right. very long time ago. That's for sure. That's for yeah. Sure. But uh, tune in at nine o'clock on the Barroom Network for Science Fiction as they take a look back, as Ross said, at the best sci-fi movies for 2022. Our hour is up. Thanks mm -hmm. to the Barflies for participating. Thanks to everybody or listening in, watching on YouTube. If you've missed any of the show or any of our previous Mac and Read episodes, remember to check them out on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes. Like and subscribe. Tell a friend or two. I'm at the Real Evan Mac on Twitter. Ross is at Ross Reed. Follow him there and follow Barroom Network at Barroom Network, of course. Everybody enjoy the Wild Card Weekend. Have a great Absolutely. rest of your week and great weekend. For now, be good to each other out there. We see deuces. So long, everybody. Peace.